Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Banks. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computex. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Sajil Kreshi here with another episode of RevOps 500. Uh, today is a very special day for us over here. Uh, we have a very special guest that I'm really pumped to be talking to. He is a marketer, uh, podcast host, entrepreneur, big-picture thinker. I like to think of him as a leader and a mentor. He's, uh, he's just a marketing wizard uh, overall. He's, uh, he's a great problem solver, a good guy, good friend. He's also the author of Marketing Automation Unleashed and the host of the Hard Corpse Marketing Show and Creating the Greatest Show podcasts. Uh, he's also a fractional CMO at multiple growth-oriented companies, so he's got a pretty full day. Uh, he's also the CEO and founder at Ringmaster Conversational Marketing. Casey Cheshire, welcome to RevOps 500. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, first of all, it's an honor to be here. And then to have an introduction like that, uh, I wanted to just tell you, like, keep going with that. That's amazing. So uh, yeah, I tell you what, the, the introduction alone has been worth being here. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's, 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 your, it's your Wikipedia article, Casey. It's not, it's not <laughs> mine. So, <laughs> All right. So anyways, you know, all, all of our uh, listeners are wanting to know from you, Casey, what is one RevOps Smith? Well, I tell you what, man, this really gets me fired up. Uh, I'm a longtime marketer and I, I feel for all of us out there making it happen, trying to wrestle things, especially in the operations meets marketing world. Uh, my myth is that marketing does not inherently matter. Marketing, you do not inherently matter. You do not, you, you don't just get to be here because you exist in a company. You don't just get to exist in a company. And furthermore, just because you're active is also not another reason for you to continue to stay in a company and continue to work in a company. And finally, and worst of all, just because your technology stack is the biggest doesn't mean you're making a difference in your company either. So we, we are just confused sometimes in the marketing world that, that we're busy, we're active, we've got a lot of tech around us, like smothering us like a weighted blanket, and that alone is not going to do it. So in a, in a RevOps context, you know, first of all, that, that's, a, that's an amazing answer. I mean, like, you look, there is technology everywhere. Marketers usually are just kind of, you know, talking about different technology, oh, this tool versus that tool, or this one versus that one. They love to get into those things. But you know, from a RevOps perspective, what can you do with very little tools or, or anything? Does, which, 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 what principles of RevOps are really tech agnostic, if you will? Yeah, 100%. And I, and I discovered this on accident by doing it the wrong way. So I'll, by no means am I saying I'm God's gift to RevOps. Uh, I'm learning every day as long as as long along with everyone else. And so, but what I've discovered is that there's this propensity to go right after tech first, right? Tech is like the first step in a journey, and it really, really, really shouldn't be. And and I started this by doing a lot of implementation. So I've implemented over um, probably a couple hundred myself, and then my wow. team over four thousand plus Pardot implementations. So a lot of marketing automation. And we started our implementation training for companies we worked with 
talking about the tech, talking about the things that, that were getting done. And then slowly but surely we discovered that you could tech all day and you could have gaps left and right. And one of the, one of the groups that came to us uh, back when I was uh, doing the consulting company, they got an extra million dollars given to the marketing department. And they're like, go spend this, get us some leads. And they did. They got hundreds and thousands and however many extra leads that year. They used that money to get those leads. Any guesses what the impact on revenue was that year? Probably pretty significant, right? Probably. You'd hope, right? You would absolutely hope. It was flat. Nothing happened. So, Jill, it was like they took that money and they went to Vegas, right? Oh, or they put it in a big bonfire and they just burned it. And, and it, if that's the case, I'm thinking, why don't we just go to Vegas? And we'll spend the money, right? We can figure out how to spend a million dollars, you know, half a million each in Vegas. We'll figure it out. Yeah, That's like what they did. And you know they didn't do that on purpose, but it's like, what the heck is happening? So we sat down with them. We started looking at their systems, yeah. at their processes, and lo and behold, they had something like 20,000, not kidding, 20,000 leads stuck between marketing and sales. Oh. Between, and it was specifically between their marketing automation tool and their CRM. There's a little thing that says, okay, this lead's ready, send it to sales. And if there's an issue with it, if there's a problem, if it's missing some required data, sometimes that can get stuck right in between the two tools. And the worst part was marketing was like, well, we sent them. And sales had, well, we never got them. So they're both pointing fingers at each other. And you can imagine the CEO of this company going like, what the hell am I paying you for? We just spent an extra million dollars. And you know, you know how leads go. Those leads aren't just hanging out until you're ready to pick them off the vine, right? They're dying on the vine. So that million dollars, you know, was, was an uneventful party on the vine. It, it, nothing happened from that. And, and that was a big aha for me because a lot of people we would work with would be great at implementing the technology, but then it wasn't really part of their overall process. So I discovered process was important. So, you know, being the, the handy entrepreneur that I was, I thought, okay, process is critical. That's what we're all missing. But there was actually something else missing too. And I, and I learned this by offering process services. So I thought, okay, we're going to help you implement this technology. And to help you do that, we're going to help you map out your process. And we, we came up with this whole thing and my fellow pros in the RevOps world, you know how this goes. It's like process mapping, start to finish. How do all the leads come in? What sort of things can happen? Do they get recycled? When do they go to sales? But we, you do all that and you track how did the data come in, normalize it so you can report on it later. We did all that stuff, right? We're offering all these services. And then we started to figure out that these services were taking forever, and the reason was we'd say, okay, let's map out your process. People would say, first of all, we don't have a process. Many times they don't have a process or they're trying to make a process and they don't know what to do. And so they end up just stringing different features and functionalities together and calling it a process. They were missing strategy. So this long-winded answer is to say that the real secret I've discovered 10 years doing it right and wrong in RevOps is you start with strategy, and then you do process and then you do technology and you got to do it in that order. And so many of us today are doing it in the opposite order. We're doing technology. We got all this technical debt. Now we're trying to patchwork quilt the process onto it. Very painful, very tedious. And then at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out what is the strategy we're doing in the first place. And that is just a recipe for burning that money. 
it's so it's kind of like you're sounding like you know you have a you're you 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 buy a car and you're debating between a Honda and a Toyota and a Mercedes and a Tesla or whatever it is. I know you're a big Elon fan. So then after that, you know, like, uh, you know, but where you really don't, you don't even know how to drive necessarily. You don't even know where you want to go with this car. You don't know what your, what your main, what your, what your main goal is. Is that, is that right? Am I Yeah, that's a properly? great point, right? Like, cause if you don't know what your goal is, how do you know what kind of car you need? And you know what, this is the thing, right? The, the most overused word in marketing today especially in RevOps, is strategy, right? Hey, let's get strategic on this. Let's get strategical. Let's get tactical. There's all sorts of different words people make strategical. up with strategy, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, then you ask them, like, what does that strategy actually mean, right? Yeah. And, and it's been so bastardized. It's been so abused in the boardroom and in the meeting room that people don't typically know what it means. And one of the things I love to do and I've loved doing this for a long time is I'll just go and I'll look up the definition for something like that, the actual definition. And I know Merriam Webster okay. and those guys are, they're kind of losing their minds right now because they're making <laughs> words uh, real that shouldn't probably yeah. be real just because a YouTuber made them. Yeah. Uh, but, but those things aside, I, I love pulling it out and, and, and looking at these different phrases. And you know what strategy actually boils down to? It's amazing. It's, it's all about having a goal. Mm -hmm. And then a plan of how to get there. That's it. So have some kind of goal in mind and then some actions you can take to get there. That's it. So all these other people, oh, let me get strategic on this meeting. Well, well what that should mean is just simply have a goal and then start mapping out some steps to get there. So when we say start with strategy, we're not saying you have to spend nine quarters, right? Yeah. In the meeting room, wasting everyone's time because we know that's not a recipe for sticking around. The myth at the very beginning was you're not inherently going to stay in this company long-term if you just hang out thinking that you being alive is good enough to keep sure. you employed as a marketer. Like we have pressure in RevOps today. We can't just hang out. But strategy will save you all that, tr that trouble and time because what happens, right? You buy that Tesla, cool. But guess what? We need you to pull that tractor trailer you know, bed. Well, that's yeah. not going to work. Or, exactly. you know, or vice versa. You bought the, you bought the tractor and, and you're, 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 going, you're getting <laughs> some sun in, in sunny Florida with a top down. Well, that doesn't work either. Yeah, so yeah. you need to have that goal in mind and then map out steps to get there. And that's the only simple recipe for strategy. So even people in RevOps got to really know how does this company get customers? How do we, how do we get customers? How do we keep customers? Right? Is that, yeah. that a what is the goal? Is the goal to get customers? Is the goal yeah. to get recurring revenue? What? It, it of course it's customers, but which kind? And like to your point, how and and why and where? But first of all, what's the goal? And I love that you brought up the goal of the company, right? It's not mm -hmm. that like departmental goal. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. what marketing says, what sales says, what rev says. It is where is this company going? Exactly. Where does the CEO want to take it? Okay. They want to draw, they want to double this company in X number of months. It maybe it sound crazy, but at least you know a goal. Mm -hmm. Now we can start mapping out steps to get there. Maybe you don't have enough budget to get there, but at least you know where you need to go. Exactly. Got you. And what about like your now look, you wrote the book on marketing automation, literally. I mean, so like what what does you feel like is your is like the biggest problem? Like what's the biggest challenge with marketing automation from even from like say when you wrote the book? And, and to now, what, what do you see happening? Yeah, our friends in tech sales, right? Uh -huh. uh, first of all, they dress way cool, way cooler <laughs> than I am. Uh, you know, nothing like some SaaS sales rep. Uh, yeah. They're super fun to hang out with. Uh, <laughs> they order amazing food at the Capitol Grill. And, and they, don't, they don't go to bed till 4 a.m. 
you know, closing deals left and right. Hey, I can appreciate sales like the rest of us. And yep. I think that is actually a recipe for, for, for good marketing, good rev ops is appreciating every side of the equation. Absolutely. Uh, but the, but the real, the real tricky part comes when we get sold on features. And I saw this all the time in the marketing automation world. There were some features in Pardot that let's just be honest, they're super sexy. There's things like you can dynamically change the top of a website. I know these are things that your team uh, helps a lot of people out with. You can dynamically change the whole header of the website uh, to reflect your customer. One one of the times we had a campaign where um, one of our clients was working with hospitals and there was a real distinction they drew for us between public and private health. Public hospitals, private hospitals. Like if they're private, they have less beds, but they sometimes they have more money and the, and the buying sure. process is different. Two different personas. The public, maybe less money, maybe not. A lot of beds, different ways of approaching things. So they were like nine day different. So they wanted to treat these people differently. And they knew that their, their customers wanted to be treated differently. If you went at them with a case study, if you were public health and went at them with a, a private case study, they kind of looked at you like you didn't know what you're talking about because that's not what they do, right? So we did a project with them so that if we found out if you were public or private health, then we could change everything across the entire marketing automation board to show you nothing but public health. Um, we could change the header image. We could change the, even the headers in the emails. We actually changed most of the website proper up uh, to all reflect public or private health. Even on wow. the, the, the homepage, it would show a private hospital if you were a private health person. And we didn't even know necessarily if people were public or private health. So we did this really fancy thing in, in our emails where we let people know we had created two centers of excellence, two hubs of information, one for private health, one for public health, cool little icons, cool little images. And we just simply asked people to go visit the one that was most appropriate. And those links were coded. There were marketing automation links that, that registered the fact that you clicked on that link to go to public health and, rem and remembered who you were. And so that was how we wow. got most of the people cookied you know, straight up cookie do we knew public private health. And then when you got to that website, man, your, your experience was never the same because you could totally, you would Perplice. see public on public on public. And then the case studies in the right-hand margin were like public case studies. So it was beautiful. And the, the, the cherry on top of this was our client uh, got a message. Uh, the marketer got a message from the sales rep and he shared, and they shared it all the way back to us. Like it eventually got all the way back to us and they had someone sign up. And the reason they, they one of the many reasons they, they signed up with this client of ours was because they said this, they said, because you focus on private health. We love the fact ah. that you focus on private health. And we were kind of laughing to ourselves because it's like, <laughs> that is what the tech was for is to show people, yes, we're going to customize the journey for you. Right. Yeah. So that whole story is sexy. It actually works if you do it right. Uh, and boy, does sales know that. And so they sell that. But man, is that not the first step? You can't, you don't just roll that out. There's no yeah. magic button for that. There's a lot of bridges Road you have work. to cross beforehand, right? And yeah, so yeah. a lot of times, and this, I'm sorry, this goes back to your question. What is the biggest challenge there with that RevOps is that we get sucked in the trap of hearing that sales message and thinking, oh, I want to have that feature. And we, again, we've thought feature and we haven't thought, is it, a, is it a tool to help me achieve my strategy? So we can get kind of distracted by these shiny things. And I can be distracted as much as anyone. 
tell me there is a shiny object and I'm going to go chase it. But we have to watch out for that in RevOps. Yeah, and it's kind of like in RevOps, I guess, it sounds like you're saying that we can be in HubSpot, you know, the, the term for nurturing is workflows, right? So it sounds like we can be workflowed to death almost, right? Where, you know, we just, it's all of a sudden, it's just, it's just a robot taking over this, this conversation between the company and this person. So like, you know, they just get this daily email, this daily digest of a blog post or like some sort of a targeted email promoting a content offer, but really it's really just inhuman almost. And you feel like, yeah, I think that's a problem too, Sajil, but I think the problem that I was most worried about was when people buy a tool expecting to, to implement the advanced features of a tool. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like what I just described is complicated. Yes, it, yes. It's, it sounds very simple and sexy when it's like presented, but it's really complicated and you don't just roll it out. But so many people, I'd see them buy the tool to do that. And they realize once they get in, oh, this is not easy to implement. And then they never do the, implement the, the core basics that would actually raise their bottom line. No problem because they were distracted by the fancier features. Yeah. And, and again, it, it, using those features responsibly is very important, right? It's kind of like, you know, you got the police trick responsibly on the, on yeah. the, uh, on the commercials. Spider-Man's got the great power, great responsibility thing. Same thing with, with like, in, with these, all these fancy features in automation tools, right? You know, yeah. there's a lot that goes into making sure you use those properly. And in RevOps, you got to figure all those things out. Is that right? Or Yeah. You got to figure it out and you can't get distracted by the bells and whistles. You got to start strategy go process, then implement the technology. So let's talk about, you know, what you're doing at Ringmaster now. I mean, yeah. what, what is, uh, what's keeping you up at night these days? Is there anything that's bothering you? Any, any sort of pain points or are you guys just dancing around? Like what, what's the, what's the lowdown? Well, we're definitely dancing around. And actually this good, year good. I've made it a goal to learn to juggle. Like it's been a goal before, wow. but I haven't quite made the. Like literally the juggle, right? Literally, literally juggle. juggle. I can tell you what, though, I'm it. really good at juggling one. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I can juggle one. So maybe yeah, we'll check plan. in. Yeah, plan. That's good. <laughs> we'll do an episode, you know, a year from now and I'll, boop, 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 you know, get three of them in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that really keeps me up these days um, because I really got a handle on marketing automation, by the way, the book marketing automation unleashed, people should go check it out. Um, it's on Amazon. Um I made it as cheap as I possibly could on Amazon just so people could get it. I don't need to make a million dollars. I want people to do marketing automation, right? doesn't matter what tool you have, just go do it right. Um, But after really spending a decade, just, I guess now maybe more than a decade, two decades in automation and marketing and nurtures and workflows, I, I, I realized there was, there was something missing, right? Uh, There was, there was always this guesswork around our customers. Um, and to be honest, I did a lot of hiding behind the technology. You know, maybe I did the strategy, the process technology, but then I kind of hid behind the technology and I never really talked to customers. So the thing that kind of keeps me awake and also going and inspired right now is just the idea of getting out from behind the technology and talking to customers. And I don't care who it is, RevOps, you know, senior, junior, we need to talk to our customers more. It's not quite enough just to grab a drink with them at, at the at a conference or at inbound. It's just, it's not enough. We got to get a little focus time in there and learn more about them. And I think a lot of the times we did a lot of guesswork in marketing. We did a lot of guesswork. Why did they take this action? I mean, we try to look at click data, right? Try to figure out click data said this, 
maybe it was X, Y, and Z. Actually, they just hated the color of it, right? Or they hate your company's name. I once encountered a SaaS company. I just kept commenting on their Facebook page like, you know, I'll buy this thing if you change the name. It just the name bothered me. I don't know. But like, it, you wouldn't know that if you didn't talk to the customer. And I remember one time just actually being in a, in a coffee shop. I was traveling and I had a chance to meet up with a customer. Um, and it, in five minutes, in just a quick five minute where they're sharing what not only what they did, but also their struggles. Like you asked me, yep. I was just so inspired. And I realized, oh my gosh, I know exactly what I need to build for them. I know exactly how we help them how we fix this thing. I know what we need to do next. And, and all I had to do was spend five minutes listening to them, ask the right question and listen. So that's what gets me fired up right now. That's why I'm obsessed with B2B podcasts. When you say listen to customers, is it more like just, uh, and, you, and you obviously you know you're, you're doing, you say you're doing podcasts. Does it mean like, you know, you're hopping on calls with them. You're, you're, you're trying to list, do some active listening with them, those sorts of things about their pain points using, using ringmaster services or is it more just about what their pain points are overall in their business? Like what, what exactly are you listening for? Yeah. I think, I think that the struggle was previously, you know, there's all sorts of resources to figure out how to make, you know, content redirect or yeah, yeah. how to make a, an email dynamic and work on mobile and all these things. And, uh, but there, it wasn't really a lot of guidance for how to get good information directly from your clients or your, from your prospects so because there wasn't really a good conduit for it, uh, we, we tried to use other metrics, try to use metrics in the first place, look at click data, you know, look at, you know, marketing automation report data, look at our CRM data, and that can tell you potentially what's working, but it doesn't necessarily say why it's working. Why? And so the, the challenge I always had was, how do I get in front of these people? And anyone who's ever asked a client for a case study spend an hour with me so I can build a case study, right? Or half an hour. Um, or I need you to prep a bunch of data so I can do a case study for me. It, it's such a selfish ask. And there are some customers that are happy to do that. God bless them. But it never really felt right to me. It was like, let me, you know, let me ask, you're paying us. And now let me ask you for more, you know? And it never yeah. really felt um, genuine enough. And genuine. then also- how do you get a chance to ask them these tough questions? And so that's why for me, it, the podcast was a way to do that, was a way to get people on the, on the line and be able to ask them questions freely and then be happy. I mean, I'm happy to be here on this podcast with you. I'm thankful to you to be on this podcast, as opposed to if we were on a sales call and you're asking me questions, it'd be completely different. Got it. So, you know, in terms of so going back to your thing about, you know, strategy and process. So, you know, your strategy is talk to customers more. Your process is maybe doing it through a podcast. That's kind of like your, your RevOps sort of strategy there. And then what about what's been the effect of doing it this way? Has it been better? Has it been worse than just doing a casual meetup or a conversation? What's yeah. been the, what's been the difference? I think, I think it, there's, there's so much difference. Uh, first is direct revenue. So literally direct revenue of people you interview that then want to buy from you because you have built a relationship and rapport. Uh, yep. There's indirect revenue, there's referral, there's like a thousand different things. And I, I actually created a webinar on ROI of podcasting. Yep. But I think the par part that really ties into me the most as a marketer is the words you use in your email campaigns, the words you use in your landing pages, uh, oftentimes we're, we're creative souls and we just kind of come up with things, but there's nothing better than giving the words your, your customers or prospects give you back to them. Right. So if I hear on a call, you know, I'm really looking for a solution to, 
marketing automation. And then your team helps you know, power so many organizations with HubSpot. And it's like, if, if I'm looking for HubSpot help and who isn't right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I tell you what I really need is someone to be fast, effective and know what I'm talking about and not need me to explain it. Right. If you create a landing page saying exactly that, I'm going to see it feel like it's Groundhog Day. Great movie, by the way. And I'm going to be like filling that form out as fast as my browser will let me because you're telling me the words that I was, would tell you. Um, and maybe that's discovered on a podcast. And so th there's power to that because what happens if you don't do that? And in, in, in the flip side, you, you and I might get creative and say, you know, um, strategic firm, uh, process minded, or, or, or even throw out strategy process technology. Well, that's not what I asked for. Maybe that's sure. what I need, but yeah. that's not what I asked for. So giving them yeah. the language back is so powerful. Otherwise we end up having this disconnect and my worry. And again, to keep what keeps me up at night is that because we're these part creative part analytical marketers and the rev up side that, we invent more than we regurgitate. Like I would rather us ah. regurgitate what we've heard from clients and prospects rather than try to invent it and be creative and crafty and clever about it. You know, innovative solution with yeah. zero downtime. And, and I did this too. And, and I was, you know, doing the part out work. I'm sure we said all sorts of things around, you know, maximizing your use and this and that. And it's like, man, I just want my emails to go out. I just want to know <laughs> My landing pages are functioning or it takes me eight hours to recreate a landing page. Can something be faster than that? And if <laughs> there's a page that literally said, does it take you eight hours to make a landing page? How about we chop that time down for you and take care of the whole thing for you? I would be like, yes, that's what I've been saying. That's what I've been right. But no one listens. And so my thing is just now that I've spent, you know, 10, 20 years blasting clients and prospects with emails and nurturing them. Sure. Now I'm sort of taking a pause. Okay. That and this is not to say that technology isn't, you need it there because you do need to nurture people. They're not all ready to buy. So that is not, you know, withheld. That's important. But the thing is you can be so much more effective by stepping out in front of the technology and asking just a few questions to your ideal buyer. Kind of like those infomercials that people can't stop buying from where it's like, I think I'd like the black and white picture of somebody doing something in a very tedious and remedial way. Then it goes to colors like, oh, I got the solution right here. And it's like, oh, take my money. You know, you got that slap chop device and all the other. Oh, like, yeah. Have you tried utensils. the slap chop? Oh, I have. I have. I don't have it anymore, but I had it. And, you know, I, I wore it out of warranty. What could I tell you? I know, <laughs> you know right? I mean? It's kind of a beast to clean, but who cares about cleaning? You just want you to chop vegetables, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so like, you know, th those are great ideas, right? You know, it's just speaking to a problem and hopefully proposing a solution without necessarily going into the features of like the how many blades there are, or how sharp the blade is. Those are metrics nobody really cares about. It's more like, here's your problem. Here's your solution. You is know, that that's you... so true, right? Like we would be talking about the, the tensile strength of the blade and, yeah. and all you just really need to see is a video where it's like chop, chop, chop. You're like, oh shit, you can make your vegetables instantly chopped up. Like sign me up. You don't need to give yeah, me- Take my money. Yeah, yeah take my money. Strategic slap chop machine uh, is- Consultant. You know, it's, <laughs> eco-dynamic and, you know, saves the planet and all these things. You're like, man, just chop my vegetables. I hate cutting my carrots, you know, or celery, yeah. right? Onions. Yeah. yeah. Onions. Yeah. They use the onions totally. on the commercial. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, you know, you, you feel that this is, is this kind of like uh, the future of RevOps in a way, like getting more, more almost acoustic at the same time as keeping the 
electric analytical stuff in the background or what do you, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of plate spinning, right? We got to do a lot of things in the RevOps world. So that framework, that hardcore framework of strategy, process, technology, having a, a backbone of process behind the scenes, it's tedious, it's work, and I just want to be fun and send out emails. I know, but you got to have that backbone of process. And if you've got that and you're marching toward a direction, I think for me, it's the idea of adding in to your process, some method of discovery so that you're not innovating in a silo. You're, you're, you're creating, you're writing your copy in a way that speaks to how your, your, your team speaks. It speaks to how your customer speaks and, and you're not just making it up. I mean, it, it's kind of that whole funny thing of, you know, being around a bunch of young kids who've been watching too much of YouTube and they just start throwing out words at you. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Sus just the other day, I was having a conversation about Chad. Do you know about this? No, I need, I need, I need, I need, a, I need a point. So, you know, you, you are kind of, you know, so Jill, I, I'll just tell you right now, you're like the Chad of HubSpot, you're, which means you are just like a, you're like an absolute mean? beast mode um, VIP. <laughs> you're actually like a slayer. Like if we were playing a, like a, a shooter game or something like that, you're just the guy that no one can beat, right? So that's what you are <laughs> at HubSpot. But Chad. I was chatting with my wife about this and no one tell her this. Uh, but she was thinking that the kids were talking about the country of Chad. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> right. Like, oh, the country of Chad. Suddenly the country of Chad has gotten really popular lately in Google searches. <laughs> well, that's actually because the kids on YouTube decided to make that a word. Um, and, you know, but if that's the word they're using, if that's your target audience, cool. But if that's not your target audience, maybe you shouldn't use it. But it's like, rather than using it because it's fun and cool, Let's use these things because they came from our customers and we're giving right. it back to them. Right. So it's, it's finding the meaning and what you need to do versus the actual semantics of it. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you told me you have kids, like take me back to when, you know, you were a child, like little Casey or something like that. What, I mean, did you always want to do this marketing stuff? I mean, is that, is that always been your, your thing or. You know, um, I was always a bit of a technical communicator, right? I just, I loved techie things and I also loved people, right? So it, uh -huh. it was a mixture, kind of like what I think a lot of our fellow RevOps folks, we just sort of fall into those traps of lo love writing, love reading, but also it, it's really nice to know with a little statistics that what I'm doing is effective or not, so I can make it effective. So it just, yeah. I was always kind of that way as a kid. Uh, but I would say even as a, as a youngster, I remember doing um, magic was one of my biggest hobbies. I would do really? little magic shows for the neighborhood kids or even for birthday parties. People would hire me out. I'd show up uh, dressed in a clown suit, if you can imagine. No makeup, though, because that's creepy, right? But I'd, I'd have a silly, silly outfit on and I would just be silly with the kids for a little bit and do a magic show. Um, and track, but I always tracked it in a log book afterwards. So there's my inner nerd coming out. I'd say, okay, you know, what, what date was the show? Did I have any expendable, um, you know, did I use any magic that, you know, needs to be replenished, you know? And so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an early hobby of mine was just to, it was connecting with people, but there was also a science to it. There's, you know, there is a science to magic. Um, it's not just waving Absolutely. a wand there, you know, there are, there are things to practice. Absolutely. Um, and I always loved that aspect of it, but also the, making that aha moment for people too has always been a fun thing. Yeah. That's a really cool story. I didn't know you were into 
into the into magic and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, there's definitely process involved. Like you said, there's practice, there's discipline, there's there's sleight of hand, there's all these things that you know you gotta you gotta know. I mean, like, and I mean, is that would you say like? I know I know most I know most people who do magic they have like a teacher or something like that. I mean, would you say like maybe someone who brought you into magic would be like a could they be like a RevOps mentor of yours or is there, is there like other people that you that you kind of want to give a shout out to that maybe helped you out with with getting into this space after from from going from magic to marketing? Is that like kind of a big leap? Yeah, how did I go from magic how, to how marketing? How that right? happened exactly? Yeah, <laughs> almost like that's a cool name for the, for the yeah. show. If it was about me, but it's not about me. It's about rev ops and making a difference so um yeah i mean how how did i make that transformation yeah I, someone must have someone must have helped you with that I mean, well i went to school for computer science because i thought uh-huh. the internet had just sort of like come about which makes me old but i was really excited for the internet but the computer science took me deeper and deeper into coding and coding is cool to know but i really wanted to connect more with people and so i found this happy middle where my my use of computers and computer science and building web pages and HTML and that kind of thing. It, it translated really nicely in the early two thousands into web pages turned into marketing. Right. So I very slowly fell into the fact that you're not, you're not creating websites, you're, you're doing marketing. And I think that was the first twist for me was that it wasn't just about the site. The site had a, had a goal to it. Right. And some people created brochures for the sake of that. But either way, people got on the internet because they wanted to grow their business. And so I had this sort of um, nice, uh, slow, steady, you know, playing around with different technology things. But I will say, um, David Meiselman, shout out to David, um, who I think you should probably have on here because he's an absolute, uh, he is he is my Yoda um, to my young Luke Skywalker. Um, he was my first marketing VP and he was a mentor and a teacher and I learned so much from him and he was doing something ahead of his time, which was he was tracking freemium software um, where you would sign up for some yeah. free, free software and he would track you through to revenue. And this is back wow. in the days where there were not tools. There, there wasn't a HubSpot landing yeah. pages. Weren't even a, a thing, thing just yet. Oh, they were because we were making them there, but he was, he was very much ahead of his time uh, and I used to have to do this giant report that, uh, not the TPS report, it was like the TLS or something. Report. <laughs> and, it, and it took like four hours to do. At least that's how long it took was it great? for me. <laughs> I made a whole bunch of macros to help simplify that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so he, you know, he taught me a lot about the idea of uh, really delayed gratification in the marketing world. Maybe you get that click, maybe you get you know a couple touches here, but you will eventually convert them over here if you nurture them, if you, you know, appeal to them. And one of the most fascinating things he taught me was around, was around AdWords, right? And just the idea of, you know, if people, we, we were selling language software at the time, if people mm-hmm. are, are searching for learning French fun versus learning French free or even learning French fast, those are three entirely different journeys, right? Absolutely. Someone wants to go quickly. Someone wants to have fun. That doesn't mean they really want to learn it necessarily, but they want to have fun doing it. And somebody else wants to do it for free, right? Or somebody else wants to do it you know, on the cheap. And in each one may be a viable target, but you should treat them all independently. So he really got me thinking about buyer personas in that regard. And so obviously, you know, you were, when you were 
when you were young and you, before probably you met David, you know, you had these, you know, you were already doing computer science. You were into people. I mean, now if you go back in time before you met David, before you did all this stuff, I mean, would you tell yourself to stay on the right track? I mean, would you change anything? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Yeah. I've thought about this a lot. Um, this question, uh, quite a bit. Um, it's kind of cool cause I, I never really get to answer it. So I, it's like one of those things you think about a lot, but never yeah. really, uh, say, and, and my answer is, is, you know, if I'm t- talking to like younger me, right. And giving myself yeah. advice, it's, it's around the, the value of having a passion for something. And there's so many times that, you know, we probably learned this in school, like you really enjoy something. And then school is like, well, or even parents are like, well, that, you're not going to make a living doing that. Like sure. you need to do this other thing that's oh boring, right? Or the, the sheer amount of math classes I had that were like torture for me in computer science class. Um, but like, I think I, the advice I'd give myself is around staying attuned to what gets you excited. What are you passionate about? Because there's a real, there's a real like you, you can't be beat. If you're passionate about something, you will work on it night and day. You will think about it. You will learn. You will refine it. It's the thing you'll think about in the shower if you're passionate yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I've found over time that there's a real advantage to, to being in that passion zone. So my advice to my younger self is, hey, listen out for that. And, and if you find that there's something you can't shut up about, that's probably that thing. The thing you can't stop talking about, that's a thing. And go for it, right? Go all in on that thing. And lo and behold, you may you may start a company, you may become an expert at that topic. Who knows? The, the sky is endless in terms of possibilities of what can happen. If you just keep keep yourself aware of your passion zone, and if you stray out of it, either try to get back into it or find that next one. It's really good advice. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, people say following your passion is wrong, but I mean, I think that has to come with anything, right? Anything you do, you gotta, you gotta put in the work and you can't be looking at the clock when you're doing it. So, yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, on the topic of like passions and interests, I mean, I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you doing these days outside of, you know, outside of, outside of work? I mean, outside of, you know, the, the grind, is there anything that, you know, you, sure. you want to share with everybody or. You know, I am fascinated by this volunteer thing I started. I started volunteering as a, a ski patroller. So oh, nice. for those desert dwelling and Southern Florida dwelling people, sometimes in the North uh, of the United States, it snows. Yeah. And that snow and on the snows a little bit. Skiing, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I talked to someone who's like, oh, wow, I've never seen snow. Um, but yeah, so I'm up here in New Hampshire near Boston and yeah. it's, uh, it snows a lot. And so I've always loved skiing, but the idea of being a ski patrol is to, is to help people. What these guys do for anyone who doesn't know is they basically hang out on a mountain and if you get hurt, they'll come, come get you, bandage you up. And if you need to get transported off the mountain, they'll throw you in the back of a sled and they'll ski you down. Um, and they have these bright red coats with white crosses on them. Uh, wow. And so I thought, man, that'd be fun. One, to have a cool red coat. And then two, maybe get some free skiing. But what I didn't really estimate, I didn't really understand would be the sheer uh, pleasure you get from really helping people, right? And I think a lot of days, um, you know, everyone in RevOps needs to have a hobby where they can give back. 
to the community because it'll just it'll just charge you up. And for me, this was ski patrol because there's nothing quite like putting your hands on someone and saying, I'm going to get you down, right? Like, I'm going to get you to sue something. Right. And really helping them. Cause I think we, a lot of the times we're, we're selling, you know, software or services online with web interfaces. And again, we got to, we got to get out there and get from behind the technology and talk to our customers because you'll find out. I actually really want to help my customer because they're cool people. Right. So it's good to get out in front of them. Uh, but man, if you can find an opportunity to, to help out in your community, it's just so powerful. So I, I, I had no idea it would be that strong of a thing, but I, I am, I am in. So that's been a passion of mine. Now, now I'm lo- learning and training and maybe one day I'll be an EMT just to help, nice. you know, just to help. Cause I just love helping people. Yeah, man, that's, that's a, that's a, it's a really holy, uh, holy hobby, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And like, and, and, you know, you're all about helping people. I mean, where, where can people, where can people get a hold of you? How can they, how can they learn more about you and your story? Totally. Totally. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Great place to find me. Uh, Casey uh, Cheshire on LinkedIn, yeah. uh, grab the book marketing automation unleashed. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's on prime. You get that thing. It arrives two days later. Next time we hang out, bring a book with you. I'll sign it for you. Um, draw a smiley face on it. Maybe a Absolutely. mountain picture. Um, and then really, we you know we don't talk too much about this, but the idea of the podcasting. I am all yeah. about podcasting. So I'd recommend people check out my podcast too. It's the Absolutely. Hardcore Marketing Show. And I am a caveman. Um, and I just try to learn um, around marketing. So, I mean, it, and this, has been, this has been a fantastic show. So, Hardcore Marketing Show. And the final place to get me is ringmaster.com is where we're launching B2B podcasts. So if your company doesn't have a podcast yet, it's time to do that. It's a great way to get out in front and meet those customers and get some good content at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's been uh, amazing having you on, Casey. I mean, you're like the Michael Jordan of podcasting or the yeah, Danny DeVito of podcasting, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger of podcasting. You're both of them. You're Arnold and Danny at the same time. You're like twins. You're both twins in one. Yes. It's like a 1980s uh, movie <laughs> reference. I think you're not the ones who are going to get it, but hey, that's okay. It's been amazing having you on, Casey. It's been, a, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. It's been everything you could imagine beyond words. I really appreciate that. Yeah, dude, I'm thankful to be on here and you're good at this. And we won't even tell many people you know, whatever episode this one comes out, but like, this is, this is great. You've got a real talent here. You are fantastic at at listening. You ask great questions and then you let, you let your guests chat and and share how they feel and what they're passionate about. And you, you you hear them. So I I just, I really appreciate you doing that. And thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. And I, you know, I, I appreciate the, uh, the vote of confidence. I know, you know, you're, you're, you've been in this game a lot longer than I have. So, you know, that means a lot. Uh, just for anybody who's listening, you know, thanks a lot for uh, tuning in. Thanks for listening to KC and I jam a little bit. Uh, if you know somebody who is interested in this kind of stuff, you know, please uh, let them know. We're we're open for for listeners. Uh, again, you know, Casey, thanks again for coming on. And this has been another episode of RevOps 500. We will see you all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuTech, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams.